We read from sacred scripture this evening from the book of Psalms, Psalm 46. Psalm 46. The text is the first three verses of the psalm. We read the entire psalm. This is God's inspired word. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The text once again, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Thus far we read from his inspired word. May he bless the reading of his word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 46 is a well-known and well-beloved portion of God's Word. As children of the 16th century Protestant Reformation, I am sure we are all aware and all familiar with the fact that it, is, it was an overwhelming favorite with that reformer, Martin Luther. And that is because Martin Luther identified well with two important aspects of this psalm. Number one, the great earth-shaking troubles described in the psalm. Luther, having himself experienced great, great earth-shaking troubles for being bold to expose the many and great corruptions of the church in his day and therefore having to flee, constantly flee from danger and seek refuge for his very existence and life. But even more importantly, number two, Luther would identify well 
with the psalmist's wonderful cure and remedy for all of his distresses and fears arising from all of his troubles. And what is that cure? What is that wonderful cure prescribed by the inspired psalmist? This. To fix our eyes and gaze upon Him. To fix our eyes and gaze upon Him as we are going through all these troubles that we face in our lives. Behold Him, the great God of heaven and earth, our God for Christ's sake the God who is the refuge and strength of His people throughout all ages. That is what we will do this evening and do with the aid of our text, something which is both needful and fitting for us to do as yet another year of our earthly pilgrimage soon draws to a close and a brand new one appears right on our horizons. Notice with me, God, our refuge and strength. In the first place, our need for refuge. In the second place, the God who is our refuge. And thirdly, a refuge that removes all fear. Every one of us, young or old, that's right, children, are you listening? The word is also for you. Every one of us, young or old, here in this sanctuary, living in this world, has a need for refuge. And what is our need for refuge? The psalmist tells us with that one word appearing right at the end of verse 1. Trouble. Trouble! So what exactly was the trouble that the psalmist was experiencing in his day and in his time? Well, we can't be entirely sure because we do not know the exact setting, the exact background and exact occasion for this psalm. We don't know that. Nonetheless, a very able Bible commentator thinks it might well have been during the time of King Hezekiah when Jerusalem would soon come under siege, under the siege and attack of Sennacherib, mighty king of Assyria, a king who had conquered city after city, nation after nation, who had by this time established himself as a powerful ruler of a great world empire. How was that small little city of Jerusalem going to withstand the onslaught and attack of mighty Sennacherib and his army of 185,000 well-armed men with horses, with chariots, with catapults, with siege towers too? How were they going to withstand that onslaught from Sennacherib? That was their trouble. 
what trouble that was for Hezekiah and for God's people in Jerusalem and Judah. Well, while we are not sure as to whether this was the exact trouble of the psalmist, the Holy Spirit does provide for us in the text a description of this trouble marked by the word though. And in our text, there are four instances of the word though. Verses 2 and 3, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Now, how shall we take all these things, this description? Are these things to be taken literally or symbolically? And if we were to take the position of symbolic, it's inspired poetry here, from that point of view, we take it. Is it literal or symbolic? The answer is that it really doesn't matter. Regardless of whether we take it to be literal or symbolic as part of inspired poetry, the idea and the point of the Holy Spirit here is that the psalmist's trouble is a great, great trouble. So great that he is completely surrounded on all sides by powerful, powerful forces that from his point of view threaten his very life and existence. That's the point. And so, beloved, the dreadful feeling in the heart of the psalmist is like that of Hezekiah and God's people in his time, that of distress and fear. Well, that dreadful feeling is something we all know of, don't we? It's a feeling that creeps into our souls when the troubles of our lives creep into our, our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And that would be true if we were to look back at the year that has gone by, the year 2023, that's almost gone by, or even the recent years that have gone by, if we were to look back, and as well also if we were to look ahead into the future. Also, well, looking back at the year or the years gone by and thinking of the troubles we have faced in our personal lives, within our homes and families, our extended family, our church family, and the challenges and concerns we face, even from the viewpoint of health, mental health, that's becoming a very big thing, especially with our young people and youth of this nation and also of our churches, mental health, emotional health, physical health, and yes, too, 
spiritual health that is of utmost importance. The painful loss of loved ones. The hurts, the many hurts, the sadness, the troubles from all these things and so much more. And now taking a step further back from the perspective of being a citizen of our churches, a citizen of this nation, and a citizen of this world, the many issues, the many concerns, the many troubles, ecclesiastically. Recent times that has been the case very much so with our churches, ecclesiastically, nationally too, so many troubles there, and also in the very world which we live in. A world which is increasing ever so steadily and quickly in evil and sin. And so looking at all these things, we have concerns, even deep concerns, don't we? For our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones, our churches. We recall all these troubles all together and all at once for just one moment. And the feeling, that dreadful feeling of distress and fear creeps right into our souls, does it not? And that's also the same feeling we get when we look ahead into the future. Some of the troubles of the past and the present will follow us like a shadow into the year ahead or even years. Fresh new troubles will come our way. Who knows? All the uncertainties of the future await us. And so like the psalmist, we perceive that we are completely hemmed in and surrounded by troubles. And so therefore, the dreadful feeling of distress and fear sits within our souls. We feel trapped. We feel helpless. And so we are fearful. So what shall we do? We need help. But where? Who do we turn to for help? That's a crucial question. And the answer that we give is crucial. Where do we go to for help? Not ourselves. Of course, we all know that answer up here. And Hezekiah would have told us so too. Not ourselves. That's not going to help against mighty Sennacherib. The point of preaching this sermon is, as always, to instill truth here and to cause that truth residing here to sink in, to deepen, and to grow. Not ourselves. 
Nor is it the beer bottle and the wine bottle. Nor any substance which we are inclined, for that matter, to, to find some relief in from all our troubles. Those things are not a help. Oh, they give us an escape. That's what they do. But just a very temporary and just mental escape from our troubles and therefore our deep feelings of fear. Nor is it in finding esteem and popularity with our peers, our friends, right, young people and youth? Not in earthly success, no, no human wisdom, nor earthly strength will do. What's the answer? We turn to God's Word. Take up your Bibles with me and turn them to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And listen to what King Hezekiah, through the Holy Spirit, has to say to the people he was king over in their plight and distress. Second Chronicles chapter 32, I call your attention to the verses 7 and 8. Second Chronicles 32 verse 7, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid, nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, the 185,000 foot soldiers. Reason? For there be more with us than with him. Verse 8, With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, the counsel of Hezekiah is, look up! Look up! Not horizontally. Don't look all around you. Look up! And look up with your spiritual eyes. Look up and look at him. Gaze at him. Fix your eyes upon him. Or as Isaiah would put it, behold your God. Oh, beloved, incredible things happen when we behold our God. As it did with Hezekiah. He started to do his math quite differently, didn't he? Verse 7, For there be more with us than with him. Hezekiah, can you count straight? Do you know how to do your math? They have 125,000 soldiers. What have you? They've got more than us, Hezekiah. You are mistaken, Hezekiah would say. Nope, you're wrong. 
You're right with your earthly eyes. And children, please do not do math the way Reverend Lee is doing math from off the pulpit. I'm doing spiritual math. I'm doing spiritual accounting. There be more with us than with him. Why? Because with Sennacherib, it's just an arm of flesh. But God is with us. God! God is with us, the Lord our God. Remember that, says Hezekiah, and what, that, what did that do for the people? It calmed their nerves like nothing else could. Verse 8, and the people rested, rested, rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And so the answer is God. God is the answer. Turn to him for help. And that, of course, is the very same answer the psalmist gives in Psalm 46 with the very first word of our text in verse 1. God is our refuge. God. Now, what can we say about this God who is our refuge? Well, to begin with, what is a refuge? A big word for some of our children. Children, right? Refuge may be a big word to you. What is a refuge? Simple. Not that hard to understand. A refuge is a place where we run to for safety, for shelter, for protection, for hiding ourselves when troubles and dangers come at us. And so, for example, when we run into a cave, when we're out in the woods and a huge thunderstorm is upon us, we, when we run to that cave, that cave is our refuge. In that cave, we find shelter from the driving rain. In that cave, we find safety from the thunder and all the havoc that it could cause upon the woods that might endanger us. In that cave, we find protection till the storm is past. Well, that cave is a good hiding place, a secure place to be. It is our refuge. And so, when God in His Word reveals to us that He is our refuge, that has the same idea as that, that cave. That cave. He is the one who we turn to to find shelter, much-needed shelter, safety, and protection when fears and dangers throng, when they come at our way, when we're surrounded especially by all sorts of troubles, and when those troubles plague us. When we find ourselves surrounded by troubles, when we are overwhelmed within our souls by those troubles, God calls us to turn to Him and to run 
to Him for shelter, for safety, for protection, yea, for much-needed peace within our souls, troubled souls. Oh, beloved, what a wonderful, all-comprehensive refuge we have in Him. All-comprehensive refuge. Listen to just a sampling of His word of counsel to us with regard to the troubles that may come our way. What does He say to us when we are in the midst of all those troubles and those troubles, from our viewpoint, are speaking loudly and shouting out at us, intimidating us, causing us to be fearful? What must we do? Psalm 46, just a bit further down, verse 10. Be still. Hush, my child. Don't listen to those troubles. Be still. And know that I am God. Calm down. Know that I am God. I will be exalted. I'll be exalted by all kinds of things, by the heathen, but I'll be exalted also through those troubles and how you go through them. Hush. Be still and know that I am God. Are you troubled by the way, the dark, seemingly pitch dark way which he is leading you through and in, in your circumstance of life at this time? Listen to him from Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, again calling us to look up, Higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't see, we can't see anything else but darkness. But his way is higher than ours, far higher. His thoughts are far higher and ours. And his thoughts and ways for us are always good. Good. Are you troubled and encumbered by your burdens? Seems like everyone is dependent upon you. So there's burden upon burden upon burden upon burden stacked upon your shoulders. So you are sagging, your shoulders are sagging, and you feel yourself sinking by the very load of burdens you are carrying. Is that you this evening? Well, listen to Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast thy burden 
singular. So take one burden, start there. Throw it at God. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Throw it at Him. Don't just give it to Him. Throw it. He'll catch it. He won't let it fall. He won't let you fall. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. What wonderful words. Or are you troubled by a feeling of judgment and condemnation for sins or a particular sin which you have long ago repented of and have laid at the foot of the cross? Is that still gnawing at you? Are you feeling guilty from it still? Listen to Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, absolutely none, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You're not walking after the flesh. You're not walking in sin, are you? You're walking after the Spirit. There is no condemnation to you. And beloved, whatever your trouble, whatever your distress, whatever your fear, always take this with you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And finally, when it concerns this refuge of us, this wonderful refuge, know this reassuring word of God from Psalm 91. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. In a word, in summary, have confidence, absolute confidence in Him as your refuge. And why? Why should we have absolute confidence in Him as our refuge? Three reasons tonight. Number one, because He is the Lord of hosts. What does that mean, children? That means that He is the one in control of all the hosts of creation around us, visible and invisible. He's the Lord of hosts of all the lions, the tigers, the eagles, the sharks. He's the Lord of hosts of all creatures, great and small. Yes, also of the squirrels, the ants, the insects. 
He's the Lord of hosts of all things, even those things which we consider insignificant. Of the hairs on our heads, the hairs which are thinning, or for young people are thickening, turning grey like mine, when we're balding, He's the Lord of hosts of also the cancer cells that might be in you or in me. He's in control of that too. Also of our entire gut microbiome. All that bacteria, trillions of bacteria living inside us to aid our health and our function. He is absolute sovereign over all. Every creature does his bidding and will. That's the first reason. But also because, number two, he is the God of Jacob. He reveals himself here in this psalm as the Lord of hosts, and now also he, of course, reveals himself as the God of Jacob. Now, what does that mean? That means, in our well-familiar language in the Protestant Reformed churches, that he is the great, faithful, covenant God and friend of his people. Yes, children, he's your friend. Your faithful friend. He'll always be by our side. He's with us. He's by our side. He's on our side. He's for us, not against us. Though sometimes we feel that way when all our earthly senses indicate that He is against us. He's not. He's for us. He's never absent from us. He's always with us. He's faithful. That's what He is. Just as he was faithful in helping Jacob, in helping Isaac, in helping Abraham, and all of his dear covenant friends in their pilgrimage, so also is he and will he continue to be faithful to us, his friends, along our earthly pilgrimage. But third, and most of all, even if it's implicit in this psalm, we have absolute confidence in Him as our refuge because of His great, great, great love for us. He is our refuge because He has provided refuge and protection for us when it mattered most. He has provided refuge and protection from His own righteous, just, infinite wrath and punishment against our sins in the form of His only begotten Son, our Saviour and Lord. He punished him and not us. 
for our sins. Our troubles are not a punishment for our sins. Now, of course, without Jesus, God wouldn't be our refuge, would He? Those who think that way and who have no iota of love for Him are thinking and living in deceit. Without Jesus, God is not our refuge. Rather, He is our greatest nightmare, horror, and terror. For it is fearful to fall into the hands of the living God without Jesus. Beloved of God, we have Jesus. We have Jesus by grace. But let's remember also, we also have a great calling from Him. And it is this, to tell those without Jesus of their great need for Him. To tell them about Him. And to have God's word ministered to them so that they come to repentance and faith. Because Jesus soaked up all of the wrath and punishment of our sins for us, we may, no, we must run to Him, run to God, flee to God, our God and our Heavenly Father for our refuge and find in Him dependable, safe, and everlasting protection, safety, and shelter from all the troubles of life. People of God, on the occasion of the passing of yet another year and the ushering in of a new one, I ask you as I ask myself, do you see this great God as the refuge of the psalmist of Psalm 46? And then do you see Him as the God who is the refuge of all His people? And finally, and most importantly, do you see Him and know Him as such tonight on December 31, 2023, this evening? In this connection, the psalmist would have us Note and behold Jehovah God's almighty, powerful works. Verses 8 and 9, Come, behold the works of the Lord. You can't see God, but see His works. Behold the works of the Lord, what desolations He hath made in the earth. Verse 9, He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. And then, 
he also assures us of his zeal, his zeal, and his timeliness to be our help. Verse 5, he will be our help, and at that right early. That's right, early. Not late. Never too late. He does make us wait. Sometimes, many times. But know that His help comes to us in His time. His good and perfect Time according to his good and perfect plan and wisdom. He has been your help. As you look back in your past, in your life and pilgrimage, he has been your faithful and reliable help, has he not, people of God? And you see, beloved, it's not just his impeccable track record that he's had with you and with all the saints in Scripture, but it's also even more who he is, is he not? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the God of Jacob. And he will keep his promises. Will he not? He will, for his mouth has spoken it. And he loves you. Little wonder then, this is a refuge that removes all fear. All fear. That's exactly how the inspired psalmist shares that with us in verse 2. Therefore will not we fear. That's the holy spiritual logic following from verse 1 being God, our refuge and strength. Therefore will not we fear. That's how he begins that sentence with the for those statements that follow. Though the earth be removed, Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, though, 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 it doesn't matter. We have no fear. The psalmist will not fear these things, for God is his refuge. Beloved congregation, you will now identify with the psalmist in his thought and confession, don't you? Indeed, with God as our refuge, we can certainly add on to the list of things that we are not fearful of. Any object and every object, event and person that would cause us Natural fear that will give us natural fear. We say we're not fearful of these things. 
Such a blessed thought, beloved, is expressed in the New Testament by the Holy Apostle Paul this way in Romans chapter 8. With God as our refuge in and through Jesus Christ, we not only have no condemnation, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Not death, the death of our loved one, our death, not life, anything about even our lives, including our foolish actions and words, which we repent of, not angels, we can't see them. They're more powerful than us, but that's not going to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not things of the past, not things present, not things in the future. Nothing. Absolutely nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And still more, note that this God who is our refuge is also our strength. That's exactly how the psalmist knows and confesses him in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. And here's the point. You can't separate the two. You distinguish between the two, but you can't separate the two. Divine refuge goes hand in hand with divine strength. The divine place of safety and shelter for the psalmist is also the source of strength for him. And that is an infinite, limitless source of strength because he is God. He's infinite. He's limitless. He's all powerful. And that's who he is to every one of his dear children. He who has graciously revealed himself to the psalmist to be his refuge and strength is also your refuge and strength and mine, is he not? The way we enjoy this comforting truth is through faith. Faith in Jesus and his cross. The cross in which he shed his blood, which atones for all of our sins and makes us accepted, forever accepted, of this righteous and holy God who punishes not us, but Jesus. And so in Jesus and his cross will we and do we trust in him and delight in him and his word. In Jesus and his cross will we be strengthened in our inner man by his grace. In Jesus and his cross will we be comforted, will we be encouraged, will, be, will we be lifted up in our spirits by all and every one of his promises. In Jesus and his cross will we cling to all those promises with assurance and hope. That's his word, beloved. You hear him speaking to you, don't you? 
Well, you who hear the voice of God, your Saviour, know that that is the same voice that melted the earth. Verse 6. And know that that voice which melted the earth is also the voice that drives away all distresses and fears in your heart and renews us in blessed assurance and hope. God is our refuge and strength. Amen. Father, bless this word. We thank thee for thy word and its beauty and richness, a beauty and richness which is deep and infinite, and from which we just scratched a small portion out to savour and to enjoy. Cause us, O Lord, to continue to savour and enjoy thy precious word and take it with us tonight and also into the year and into the pilgrimage yet lying ahead of us. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.